0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Dexterity's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Exodus, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you happen to be with us last week, you may remember that we went to the burning bush, where Moses was called by God to go to the Israelites who are the slaves in Egypt, and rescue them. And if you remember, we saw that God's word is what? you Remember? God's word is what? Enough, right? God's word is enough. God's word is especially enough for us as we talk about faith. Because, Because faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit, and faith comes from hearing the word. And God's word is enough for our faith. And God tells Moses <clears throat> at the burning bush that his word is enough. Because he's going to give Moses the words to speak to Pharaoh, to let his people go. Moses, of course, doesn't think God's word is enough. Doesn't think that the people will listen to him and to God's word. And eventually Moses says to God, please send someone else. In the end, God gives Moses his brother Aaron. And he also gives him miraculous signs that he does because God knew that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, will not let the people go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So God will stretch out his hand and strike Egypt with all wonders. After that, Pharaoh will let them go. Now today, we fast-forwarded to the last miraculous sign, or plague, if you will. And it's the plague of the firstborn. So what we've done is we've skipped over water turning into blood. We've skipped over the frogs, the gnats, the flies— the diseased livestock, the boils, the hail and fire, the locusts, we've skipped over the darkness. But if you know the story of Moses and the Exodus, or if you don't, it goes like this. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, what's his phrase? Let my people go, right? And Pharaoh says, well, why would I do that? Let me think about it uh, no. And then Moses says, well, if you don't, bad things are going to happen. And Pharaoh says, okay, fine. And then bad things happen. And Pharaoh goes, go talk to your God and tell him to stop, and I will let your people go. And so Moses does, and God stops it. And then Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he doesn't let the people go. This keeps happening, right? Ten total times. The last one is different, of course. But ten times it happens. And after the plague of locusts, Pharaoh even says, he says this, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. And you might hear those words and you might think, man, Pharaoh's actually sorry here. Good for him. And after the plague stopped, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. And now you might be thinking, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So, I mean, it really wasn't his fault that God still brought judgment on him. The reality is, though, God only hardened Pharaoh's heart after the sixth plague, prior to that, Pharaoh had hardened his own heart. And then you might think, well, but, but still God brought death upon the Egyptians. And to that we would say, God warned Pharaoh that it was going to happen. But his heart was still hardened, and he didn't let the people go. So whatever you feel about Pharaoh and the Egyptians and what they did to the people of Israel, God's word says that he does not want the wicked to perish. He wants them to turn from their evil ways and live. When we view God's actions, we view it as a judgment against Pharaoh's sin. And God is the judge of all people and the judge of all sin. And God is just. And his justice is done. And this plague was going to come across the land. And so to protect, to save his people from this last and final plague, God gave instructions. He gave very specific instructions to the people. God's word is enough. But God also does more For his people, he does miracles for them. And to save his people, God tells them to take a lamb, a perfect lamb, a male, and sacrifice it. Set some of the blood aside, and then take the blood, and paint the doorposts and the lintel. That's the top of the door. This blood will mark you as God's people, and it will keep you safe. Then you're going to take that lamb and you're going to roast it. You're going to cook it whole. You're not going to break any of its bones in order to cook it. This is going to come into play later. And then you're going to eat the meal. And you're going to eat it in haste. You're going to eat it quickly in your house with the sandals on your feet. That's why you guys got to wear shoes today. They needed to eat it in haste with their shoes on because they needed to be ready for their flight from Egypt. This is the Lord's Passover. Why is it called Passover? Because that night, God was going to pass through each home and take the life of the firstborn male, his judgment for sin, of all of the firstborn males and male livestock. Now, What's interesting about the whole taking the the livestock part is that Egyptians worshipped their gods through kings and through certain sacred animals. And so when animals, sacred to the gods, died, it showed that the gods were powerless to resisting the one true God. But when God sees the blood that's been painted on the doorposts, he will pass over those homes and the people will be safe from judgment. The sign of the blood on the doorposts marked the Israelites safe from death. This was a sign of God's mercy that no plague death should fall upon them. Now, if you remember at the beginning of the book of Exodus, a pharaoh had ordered the death of all newborn males, to keep the Israelites from growing and becoming stronger. The last and final plague of Egypt, the one that allows the Israelites to go free, is a plague of the firstborn males. Not all males, mind you. Just the firstborn. Again, you might think that this is a terrible thing, God taking the firstborns. Because every household has someone dead in it, is what God's word tells us. But Pharaoh had been warned. This was completely preventable if he would have just let the people go. Now, in comparison to Pharaoh, God is merciful. Pharaoh understands that this plague is God's punishment which is why he lets the people go in the end. It's just unfortunate for all of those Egyptians that it took the death of the firstborn to free the people. And God had told the people that they were to keep the Passover as a memorial day, a day when they remember what God did for them, how he passed over them because of the blood of the Lamb. Fast forward many years, and we see Jesus and his disciples making preparation to celebrate this Passover. And when Jesus shares this Passover meal with his disciples, he gives them another meal. He gives them the Lord's Supper. And we read in God's word, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he ended by saying, Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus institutes his supper when Passover is celebrated. He tells his disciples to do it in remembrance of him. But what his supper does is it does more than just remember it forgives, it strengthens, it saves. And that night, Jesus would be betrayed. He would be arrested. Because the Passover was more than just about his supper that he was going to give to his disciples. And after being arrested, Jesus would be beaten. He would be mocked. He would be tried. He would be falsely accused. And he would be sentenced to death. Death on a cross. Because the Passover that was first celebrated in Egypt is a sign that points to Jesus. Because Jesus becomes our Passover lamb. What did the lamb have to be? Male. Perfect. What's Jesus? Male perfect. The son of man and the son of God. The lamb was cooked whole. Remember? Roasted. No bones would be broken. While the two criminals hanging on either side of Jesus had their bones broken, Jesus was already dead at that point. None of his bones were broken, fulfilling the word of God. The lamb's blood was painted on the doorposts and on the lintel in order for death to pass over the people. So the Lamb of God's blood was painted, spilled, on the cross, shed for you, in order to have death pass over you, in order to ransom you, as First Peter says. Ransom you from what? You might ask? Well, we're like the Egyptians. We're like Pharaoh. Our hearts are hardened toward God. And that's because of sin. Sin that we have all been born with. Sin that has been passed down to us from Adam and Eve's first sin in the garden. That's original sin. And because of it, we do actual sins. And then God's word comes to us. And even though God's word is enough, We don't want to hear it. Our hearts are hardened. Our ears are closed off to the word. And so God has to do more for us. Because the results of our sin is death. We deserve punishment, judgment, just like the Egyptians. We deserve not the death of our firstborn sons, but death for ourselves, all of us. And not just physical death, eternal death, condemnation, hell. We all deserve hell for our sins. For all the times that we lie and cheat and steal and deceive and reject the word of God. For every time we stop listening to God's word and instead listen to the voice of the world of our own sinful nature telling us, that it's okay if we do just this one little sin, this one little time, that it's not going to hurt anyone. Except it doesn't matter if it's only one or if it's only little, this one little time. Because this one little sin is worthy of hell. And some of us don't just do one little sin. Some of us, myself included, do many great big sins. They too are worthy of hell. And we, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, in our death, sometimes we cry out to God. Similar to the words of Pharaoh, that one time it seems like he's repentant. Right? I have sinned against the Lord. Forgive my sin, please. Remove this death from me. Or maybe we're like Pharaoh. As he lets the people of God go, he says, Bless me. Death is placed before us. And God does more than bless us. He does more than just give us his word. He gives And he gives, and he gives some more because of his grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. And shortly after celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples, Jesus, the Lamb of God's blood, was shed in order for death to pass over you. Not just physical death, eternal death as well. These are the words that you hear in God's word. And God's word is enough. But as you can see, he gives us more than just his word. Because God acts on our behalf to save us, to free us from sin, death, and hell. And it took the death of the firstborn to free the people. The Son of God dies for us. And he rises for us, proving that he has ransomed us, that he has rescued us, that he has redeemed us, that he has freed us, that his sacrifice as the Lamb of God did take away the sins of the world. And his resurrection from the dead means that all who believe in him will have eternal life. That is enough. But God still gives us more. He gives us more means of his grace. And that brings us back to the Passover. When they painted the doors. Right? You can imagine. You painted it up and down the doorposts. And across the top. Now if you combine the two of them in one motion. What do we make? You make a cross. In baptism, we receive the sign of the cross, both upon our forehead and upon our heart, to mark us as one redeemed by Christ who died for us and who rose for us. But baptism isn't just a symbol, it actually does what it says it does, it forgives us our sins it rescues us from death and the devil, and it gives eternal life to all who believe. Because it is the water combined with God's word. And that is enough. And God gives us still more. We go back to the Passover. And remember, this was celebrated as a memorial day. That Passover was celebrated every year to remember what God had done for the people of Israel. Now, when you think about memorial services, right, they're remembrances of someone who is gone, a loved one who has passed away. Right? Their body, their ashes may be present, but they're not really here. They are not close to us. When Jesus gives his... His supper. He says, Do this in remembrance of me. But it's not just a remembrance of someone who is gone. The Lord's Supper is not just to remember what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus is not distant from us in the Lord's Supper, He is right there with us. His body and blood are really and truly present. And in it, there is the forgiveness of sins. There is strengthening for our faith and there is salvation. The bread and the wine is combined with God's word and through that, Jesus' body and blood are present. How do we know that it is? Because Jesus says that it is. And we take Jesus at his word because God's word is Enough. And as we come before God with faith given to us by the Holy Spirit, we come realizing our sinfulness, our brokenness. And as we come in repentance, we should be eager to receive the Lord's Supper. We should have our belts fastened, our shoes on and ready, ready to come. Yet this is holy ground And yes, we can wear our shoes. Because Christ comes to us. He comes to us with his word in the bread and the wine, his body and blood. These are all God's means of grace. Yes, God's word is enough. But he gives us more and more and more because he loves us. And he doesn't want any of us to perish, but he wants us all to have